Hello. <coughs> Everybody. <laughs> Hi, everyone. <laughs> you just couldn't let me do that, could you? I was going to hold it for as long as I could. Yeah. Overachiever, you. Welcome to the Bookish Impulses Podcast. I am Kenny. I'm Yasinia. Let's dive on into the episode. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I am Kenny, and this episode is brought to you by myself. Um, I know it's going to be a little strange. You've heard Yesenia on the on the podcast by herself a couple of times by now. Um, but this is my first time on this particular podcast by myself. Um, she's been encouraging me to talk to you guys about um, the two books that I just finished, which um, which were Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens and Alice Alice's Adventures in Wonderland by Lewis Carroll. Um, so, yes, I am. I am aware that um, Alice. Alice in Wonderland, for short, because it's just easier to say. Alice in Wonderland is a children's book. Um, but I had to read it for my graduate class, uh, British Literature. So, yeah, I'm going to do a review on both of those books. But this episode is just about Oliver Twist. So Alice in Wonderland will be in the next episode I do by myself. And then I'm going to give you guys one more episode on the two books together. Um, and I'm going to talk about basically what my paper was about um, on these two books, because I think it's really, really interesting. And it helps shine the light. It helps shine a light. Sorry. On. Uh, like the way literature and history affect one another. Um, in, res- in regards and respect to the authors and the stories being symbolism and, and all this all these different things. So spoilers ahead in this episode, as it will be in the next one, and um the third one that I do with the two books together. Um so if you have not read the books, be very, 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 very aware that there will be spoilers as I will be giving out the overall plot overview. Basically, I'm going to give you a book summary um, and I'm going to read it actually from Sparknotes because I use Sparknotes from time to time to remind myself of certain parts in the books, because reading two novels at the same time and having to do a an eight to 12 page essay on them and how they connect to British history, politics, social classes and stuff like that you forget things. <laughs> so I use, I use spark notes to just basically just spark an idea, no pun on the word intended, but just to spark ideas up. And I'm sure that's what the site is really for. Um, but I'm sure a lot of people use it just to cheat instead of reading the book. They just go to the site and just, you know, you get it, but I didn't do that. 
I read both of these books and I enjoyed both of them. Um, so Oliver Twist, I'm gonna read you. The, I'll read you the overview first, and then I will tell you how I felt throughout the book. It's not gonna be a long episode, I promise. <laughs> I can be windy, but I won't be today. <clears throat> so Oliver Twist. Oliver Twist is born in a workhouse in 1830s England. His mother, whose name no one knows, is found on the street and dies just after Oliver's birth. Oliver spends the first nine years of his life in a badly run home for young orphans and then is transferred to a workhouse for adults. After the other boys bully Oliver into asking for more gruel at the end of a meal, Mr. Bumble, the parish beetle, offers five pounds to anyone who will take the boy away from the workhouse. Oliver narrowly escapes being apprenticed to a brutish chimney sweep and is eventually apprenticed to a local undertaker, Mr. Sourberry. When the undertaker's other apprentice, Noah Claypole, makes disparaging comments about Oliver's mother, Oliver attacks him and incurs the Sourberry's wrath. Desperate, Oliver runs away at dawn and travels toward London. Outside London, Oliver, starved and exhausted, meets Jack Dawkins, a boy his own age. Jack offers him shelter in the London house of his benefactor, Fagin. It turns out that Fagin is a career criminal who trains orphan boys to pickpockets for him. After a few days of training, Oliver is sent on a pickpocketing mission with two other boys when he sees them swipe a handkerchief from an elderly gentleman. Oliver is horrified and runs off. He is caught by narrowly Whoa. He is caught, but narrowly escapes being convicted of the theft. Convicted? Wow. I'm going to go back and do that again because I, I just can't. My brain won't let me continue. He is caught, but narrowly escapes being convicted of the theft. Mr. Brownlow, the man whose handkerchief was stolen, takes the feverish Oliver to his home and nurses him back to health. Mr. Brownlow is struck by Oliver's resemblance to a portrait of a young woman that hangs in his house. Oliver thrives in Mr. Brownlow's home, but two young adults in Fagin's gang, Bill Sykes and his lover Nancy, capture Oliver and return him to Fagin. Fagin sends Oliver to assist Sykes in a burglary. Oliver is shot by a servant of the house and, after Sykes escapes, is taken in by the women who live there, Mrs. Maley and her beautiful adopted niece Rose. They grow fond of Oliver, and he spends an idyllic summer with them in the countryside. But Fagin and a mysterious man named Monks are set on recapturing Oliver. Meanwhile, it is revealed that Oliver's mother left behind a gold locket when she died. Monks obtains and destroys that locket. When the Maylies come to London, Nancy meets secretly with Rose and informs her of Fagin's designs. But a member of Fagin's gang overhears the conversation. When word of Nancy's disclosure reaches Sykes, he brutally murders Nancy and flees London. Pursued by his guilty conscience and an angry mob, he inadvertently hangs himself while trying to escape. Mr. Brownlow, with whom the Maleys have reunited Oliver, confronts Monks and Rang. Whoa. <laughs> Mr. Brownlow, with whom the Maleys have reunited Oliver, confronts Monks and wrings the truth about Oliver's parentage from him. It is revealed that Monks is Oliver's half brother. Their father, Mr. Leeford, was unhappily married to a wealthy woman and had an affair with Oliver's mother, Agnes Fleming. Monks has been pursuing Oliver all along in the hopes of ensuring that his half-brother is deprived of his share of the family inheritance. Mr. Brownlow forces Monks to sign over Oliver's share to Oliver. 
Moreover, it is discovered that Rose is Agnes's younger sister, hence Oliver's aunt. It is dis- <laughs> Wait, where am I? Oh, Fagin is hung for his crimes. Finally, Mr. Brownlow adopts Oliver, and they and the Maleys retire to a blissful existence in the countryside. Sorry for the uh, mishaps in there. You know, I fumbled a little bit, but I recovered. Um, so, yeah, that is the summary of Oliver Twist. They did a pretty good job. Um, like I said, it's Spark Notes, so it's not really uh, in extreme detail, but they hit all the major points of the story. They do a really good job of that. Um, so how I felt about the story, <laughs> I felt that it was while while realistic in some ways it was a little bit too um a little bit too grueling on a child and i'm not saying that you know you shouldn't write a book where a kid goes through a whole bunch of stuff because i'm guilty of doing that myself i've written a book where um my main character was a child for most of the book and she was going through something at every turn. However, and it was satire, you know, and some people believe that Oliver Twist is satire, which I'm one of those people. I think it's satire because I think it goes a little over the top with the um, the suffering of Oliver. However, um, in Great Britain, back in the Victorian era, um, the things that Oliver was going through are actually common things. Um, but the thing is, when you write the story, you really have to reach far to make sure Oliver keeps running into trouble over and over and over and over. And I kind of felt like it was forced into the story. Like, I really do think that the, it's a great story, but I feel like the the beatdown on Oliver was really just forced after a while. I'm a Dickens fan. Um, I, I, I like, I like his work. Um, just so we're clear, I do not like Hemingway at all, but Dickens, I like, um, Oliver Twist is a good story. Um, I feel also that when, when Oliver was first born, um, and his mother died, I feel like it's kind of unrealistic that there was no way to find out who she was. Like, I get what, what time period it was. It would have been more difficult. However, she was not some poor woman, you know. She was not some poor woman who was just in a situation that she couldn't get out of. If she wasn't pregnant with Oliver, she probably would have been able to get out of the situation she was in. You know what I'm saying? Um... I hope I'm making I hope I'm making sense. <laughs> uh what I'm I guess what I'm trying to say is she was she was in this workhouse when she gave birth to Oliver. Like literally in the workhouse. Um I think it was literally in the workhouse when he was born. And um she had been having this affair with a wealthy man, you know, Oliver's dad. And I believe that he knew that Oliver existed. The only way um, for Oliver's half-brother to know that Oliver existed is if the dad knew. So 
the fact that Oliver wasn't being taken care of by his dad or anybody in his dad's family or anything like that, you know, in a modern world, you look at that and you're just like, that's that's almost impossible. There has to be at least one person who cares enough to not let this boy be an orphan and go work in workhouses and all that, especially if his dad's side is wealthy and especially if his dad is leaving Oliver inheritance. You know what I'm saying? If Oliver's leaving, if if Oliver's dad's leaving him something, an inheritance, that means that the dad cares at least a little bit. So if he knew that Oliver was going to end up an orphan, I would like to think he would have been there doing something. You know, those two things is just like a plot hole to me. Um, because there's nothing that that connects those two things, you know, in a realistic way. Oliver was an orphan, but his dad's leaving him inheritance. His wealthy dad is leaving him inheritance. Like, it doesn't make sense. That's a plot hole to me. Um, and yes, like I said, I get it. It was the Victorian era. You know, it was the 19th century. It was 18, it was the 1800s, the mid 1800s. So it's not like today where it's just very easy to find somebody just go on social media, you know, look on Facebook and see the pictures of baby Oliver, <laughs> you know, something like that. You know, it's, it's a little bit harder than that. <clears throat> um, Moving forward, though, there aren't really many cons I can say about the story. Um, Like I said, I feel like some of the stuff was forced into the story just to make sure it was beating Oliver down. But I think that's the satire of it. I think that's what Dickens um, wanted to accomplish. I think he wanted to force those things on Oliver. And I think at every turn he was giving Oliver hope and snatching it away immediately. And it was like. That's satire because that's how the people of the Victorian era in Great Britain felt under the monarchy of Queen Victoria. Um, it was just really, you know, she was just she was ill tempered at times. And, and, you know, there are a lot of people who are fans of Queen Victoria, but um, Dickens, he really wasn't. Um, he wasn't fan the way she of the way she dismissed the social issues. And it really shows in this story uh, <clears throat> because one of the biggest things was uh, Queen Victoria cared a lot about the poor is what they say. She cared a lot about the poor. Um, she was all about, you know, trying to trying to make uh, lives easier for the poor. But at the same time, she uh, passed this, this housing commission or something and um, I can't remember exactly what it's called at the moment, but I think it was like Royal Housing Commission or something like that. And uh, she wasn't really aware that this was being taken advantage of by the people who were running the workhouses. Because um, they were making it extremely difficult for people to live at least a little bit comfortably. People were starving. People were actually eating rotten flesh off a of bone. You know, rotting flesh from animals off a bone. And it was a big thing in Andover. So, you know, this this story, it, it runs congruent to real life in the Victorian era, um, which is why I feel like it's satire. I feel like Dickens really forced a lot of satire into the story to make you just feel repeatedly like Oliver's defeated over and over and over. Even when he stands up for himself, he, he gets treated like he's the devil. You know, to please uh, some more like he's he's just like <laughs> he's just beat down at every turn. 
when I first started reading the book, I went over to Yesenia and I'm like, babe, this is some sad stuff. And like, I was just like, man, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get through this book. <laughs> but I kept reading, you know, and, and, and it was because I had to, first of all, for class, but also because it's a good book. Um, I, I also feel that in the end of the story, I feel that Dickens felt pressured to uh, put Oliver in a better position in the end because Oliver's a child. And also because of the heat that he would receive if Oliver ended up in a position that actually got him killed or he just stayed an orphan even at the end of it and he was just in a bad situation when the book ended. I think people would have been very upset with him. Um, and I think that's why Oliver got the happily ever after ending. Um, but I think realistically, with all the things that happened to Oliver's early life, that um, the ending wouldn't have happened for Oliver. I think that him going through all the workhouses and then ending up with the criminals, that he wouldn't have actually ever met somebody who magically knew uh, his family. Like, it would have never happened. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's just, it's not realistic at all. But again, it's, it's satirical and it's fiction. So you got to look past it, I guess, um, and just take it for what it is on the surface, which is a, it's a, it's a dang good story. Okay. That's my final review on the story. I don't want to go into too much detail about Victorian area and all, all that stuff. But when you review this book, you really do have to go into the real history behind the story. Like you really have to do that because otherwise the story just really seems forced and just pulled out of thin air. You know, and Oliver's just beat down, beat down, beat down. Because when you think of Great Britain, you think of tea time, like in Alice in Wonderland. You think of, you know, these really nice people who are really polite as they walk by you and stuff like that. But in the Victorian era, it was like Oliver's life for the poor people. Just beat down after beat down after beat down. People were dying of so many different things during this time because of the workhouses children were dying and Oliver like that's how I feel Oliver wouldn't have lived through it he would have died in a workhouse sadly um so yeah that's all I got um I said I wasn't gonna keep you guys long I made that promise to you and it is 17 minutes I don't want to take it to 20 so I hope you guys enjoy listening to me ramble about Oliver Twist and just hearing my initial thoughts on the story. I will go deeper into it in that third episode. So just bear with me. Next episode will be Alice in Wonderland. It'll be about like the same premise of this one. I'll do the plot overview from Spark Notes. And then the next episode that I do by myself will be longer. It'll be a longer episode. So if you like the longer episodes, that one's coming. Also, my wife and I will be bringing out another episode really soon together. We were supposed to be doing one this past weekend, but I had to work on my rough draft for my final paper. Um, and I wanted to make it as final of a rough draft as possible. So I spent a lot of time on it. And also we got a new car. So, yeah, we'll talk about that in the next episode. Uh, so, yeah. All right, guys, you take care out there. Stay warm. Get up out this snow and ice. It's been crazy. The weather's been nuts. 
Um, take your vitamins so you can avoid getting sick. And then if you do get sick, make sure you take that medicine. I'm a big proponent of Mucinex. Um, not sponsored, not by them, but I, <laughs> when we get sick, we take Mucinex, it's gone. It, it works. So yeah. And don't drink milk when you're sick because it's more mucus. All right, guys, take care. Um, thanks for listening. Follow me on Instagram at my name, Kenneth Toes Jr. Follow me on Twitter, Twitter. Yeah. At my, at my name, Kenneth Toes Jr. Um, yeah. And my wife also, I can never remember exactly what her handles are on all her, on all her social medias, but let's see. She is the book addict. I think she is the book addict. I'm pretty sure it's just at the book addict. And then I'm Kenneth Toes Jr. on there also. Everywhere you want to find me, that's that's my handle, Kenneth Toes Jr. That's that's just me. Um, I want to say Twitter. She is. Oh, I'm at 20 minutes. Dang it. I want to say Twitter. She is at. I'm the book addict. And Instagram, I think she's I'm the book addict. In her profile picture, she's either going to be in a picture with me or she's going to be in a picture with Tuki, our cat. So you'll see her and she wears glasses. 